I want to read a verse, then we're going to pray, then I'm going to release the bam. Psalm 119, verse 60. I'm going to preach out of this tonight. And it says this. It says, I. Everyone say, I. I. I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. I want to unpack that tonight. But would you just reach out your hands to God? Maybe you're new to church and this is your first time. We're so glad you're here. We just reach our hands out just to just show a sign of surrender to God. For some of us, this has been quite a life-transforming weekend already. For some of us, uh, we're in the house of God here tonight. I'm so glad you're here. But right now, Jesus, we all turn our hearts we turn our attention, we fix our eyes on you and you alone. Lord, we pray that tonight you would have your way. I ask, Holy Spirit, you would just come in power and you would meet every single individual in this room at a personal, authentic level. And I'm asking here tonight, you would speak to them so clearly that they would leave church tonight without a shadow of a doubt of what your word has said to them. We love you, Jesus. We bless your name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. God bless you. You take your seat. Thank you so much to our worship team. You have done an incredible job. And we're in for a great night here tonight. I'm privileged just to be sharing with you. And I want to ask you if you can relate to me in this. Who here has been disobedient in your life and regretted it later? Give me a wave. So it might have been to your parents, might have been to a spouse, might have been to a teacher. Might have been to a policeman, um, whoever you've been disobedient to. I, man, the more I think about my childhood, the fun memories I have, the more of a rat bag I realized I was. And I remember this one day, now this didn't happen often, and my mum and dad are here tonight, so forgive me, but um, I remember I had just been an absolute schmuck. I don't remember why, but you know you've been a bit of a schmuck when you hear your mum say, you just wait until your dad gets home. So I don't remember what I did. I, you know, I probably got falsely accused by something of my brother, because once again, I'm a holy man of God. But I remember the, the look in my mum's eye. She's obviously texted my dad, and you wait until your dad gets home. And um, I, I knew what was coming. And you know, it was a bit more politically correct there. But I think I was in for just a, a little smack. Um, and I knew what was coming. And I, I remember um, I, I turned to my brother. We were so young. And I said, this is going to be hilarious, Tim. Watch this. So I was just in like the worst rat bag mood. I don't know what was up with me that day. And so what I did is I made a pre-plan. I like, all right, my dad's going to come in here. They're going to convene. And they're going to, you know, maybe get out the wooden spoon. And so maybe I can go hide the wooden spoon. I'm like, oh, no, that's not funny enough. I'm like, all right, maybe. And I was thinking it through. And we had this long house. And I remember I uh, opened, uh, we had two entrances to the backyard. So I went and pre-opened both of them. <laughs> open and open. And the thing about me I've always been um, known for is I'm quite a fast runner. And so I'm like, this is going to be hilarious. I don't know why. I could have just received my spack, move on, and it would have been okay. But I remember when my dad got home, I had the funniest memory of just, I was like, uh, he started off not too angry. He's like, hey, Dan, come here. And I was like, you know, and I was like, nah, 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 nah. And he's like, all right, Dan, 
come here, the, the wooden spoon's rising a little bit. It was gonna just be a bit, now it's gonna be here. And, 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 he, and he's like, come here. I'm like, come and get me. <laughs> and I remember, <laughs> my poor dad, I'm so sorry. <laughs> forgive me, but his anger was probably rising, which was fair enough. I would have been way angrier. But then I started, I, I noticed an opportunity. He was angry like this. And so what does Dan do? Little punk runs and supermans through his legs. And then what happens is I'm running around the house and my dad is chasing me and my mum's trying to block this door. I like, know he can't get through here and, and dad's at this door and I'm doing like side steps and going through. And it, oh man, my rugby career came alive that day. I knew I was going to make it as a wallaby, but unfortunately, through my disobedience, at some point they caught me, um, and yeah, I won't say the rest, it really, really hurt, and it hurt the wooden spoon, let's just say it might have snapped. So when Ebony and I have kids, I'm, I pray every day they get my looks and her personality, um, because now... <laughs> I don't mind if they have her looks. All I care about, they don't have the rat bag personality of me. So we pray for that in Jesus' name. And look, as I, as I got older, as I got older, um, I, I, you would have hoped I would have learned from this and just grown a bit of my obedience. But then I get married at the age of 21. So I'm quite young. Uh, you know, the, there's so many pros to marrying young, but Ebony married a boy who was turning into a man. And I remember we were going to go on our first romantic car, uh, road trip. And I, you know, my expectation of it was it's going to be so romantic. It's our first one. We're like, uh, we're about six months married, I think, or eight, uh, 12 months married. And, you know, I'm picturing the romance, the sun setting, Ebony not keeping her hands off me. I'm just, <laughs> I'm picturing it. We're married. And she had one request of me. And she said, this is about, you know, probably two months out. Dan, we're taking your car. The air con's not working. It's December, can you please fix our aircon? And I'm like, you know, at first I was like, oh, I'm too busy. Like, no, you do it. And, you know, I was a boy. Uh, about a month out, she's like, Dan, can you plug? She was so nice. Dan, can you please fix the aircon? I'm like, yes, okay, I'll get around to it. She asked me every week, every day, and, you know, I was so busy, and I don't know what happened. But look, it got to about two days out, and she's like, Dan, have you done it? And of course, you know, I ring around, no one can do it, and I'm like, this is going to be a bad trip. And um, so I can tell you, when we took off in the 30-something degree weather, stuffed in a car and uh, aircon not working, the romance left pretty quick. <laughs> the vision I had didn't come to pass. And unfortunately, the Lord blessed us with a heat wave, and I just will never forget it. <laughs> We were in Sydney at the time. It's like 40 degrees, like heat wave of heat waves. We're in a tunnel underground, in traffic for an hour. And I'm like, babe, this is a romantic sauna. What are you complaining about? I planned this. And uh, anyway, husbands, you know when you know your wife's angry, you don't even look at it. You can just feel it in the atmosphere. Imagine that for a 12-hour trip one way and back. So do you know what lesson I learned <laughs> that holiday? And what I want to talk about here tonight is the cost of obedience is far less than the pain of regret. Can I say that again? The cost of obedience is far less than the pain of regret. I asked God what he wanted me to share here tonight, and I got a clear picture of a person 
And I saw a step in front of them lighting up and, and people taking that step. I really believe here tonight God wants to speak to you and I out of such a great weekend or, or even if we're just coming to church today and a really clear next step is going to light up to us. And the question you and I are going to ask ourselves is, will I be obedient to that next step or will I be an idiot like Dan Frecker and not be obedient? So I've titled this message, The Pickup and The Put Down. Everyone say that. Say The Pickup, The Put Down. I want to talk about mountaintop experiences. This is when we have high highs of encountering God. Maybe for you here tonight, that was that powerhouse conference if you attended. Maybe for others here tonight, that was during the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Maybe for others of us here tonight, we're just on fire with God. And maybe for others, if you're honest right now, you feel quite dry. But we're going to have an encounter moment later, so that's completely okay. But I've learned in my Christian life that mountaintop experiences are great, or huge encounters with God, of course, they're absolutely phenomenal. But I hate to be a bummer here tonight, but I've also learned in my life is they don't last. I don't have the high highs at a conference, or I have a wonderful uh, service on a Sunday, and I'm on fire when I get home on a Sunday, but then the next day, my boss, oh, I shouldn't say that for me, your boss... (laughs) No, seriously, I did not mean that like that. I'll just say this. Look, maybe a spouse starts to fight with you on the way home, and you, you were so holy at church, and then you're angry again. Or you get to work tomorrow, and you know you just had a great time at conference, and, and you get to work tomorrow, and your work colleague annoys you. And, and I've found, it's honest, I'm just being honest, that, that that fire and passion can drop off. And I'm like, where did it go? That doesn't mean we've done anything wrong. We're designed by God, that we're responsible for our own hunger and passion. Yes, we can go to conferences and church, and that's that's so, so, so important. But we also need to learn in our own life how to steward that fire. And I want to talk about a man in the Bible today who had a life-defining encounter with God. Is that okay if we go through a passage of Scripture together? We're going to turn to Exodus 3, verse 1 to 7. We're talking about a man named Moses who had the call from God. He had killed someone in Egypt and he had run away. So when we pick up this story, he knows he's called. He is hiding from the call of God. He is terrified. And we pick it up here. Let's read together. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. He was on the mountain. Come on, who's been in the mountain this week? He was on the mountain. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though this bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn up. This is amazing, Moses thought to himself. Why isn't this bush burning up? I must go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. So this was an encounter with God, but I want to quickly talk about that word, here I am. He responds with this word in the Hebrew called henene. And that's not watch me whip, watch me nay nay. I'm talking Hebrew, henene, because I know you're thinking it. What does henene mean? It is an offer of complete availability, of total readiness to serve. 
When we utter Hanene, we make ourselves fully available to whatever is God is, might ask us, even without knowing what it might be. So he responds with that heart of God, I don't know what you're about to say, but before you even say it, I'm available and I'm going to say yes. We read on in verse 5, do not come any closer, says the Lord. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. See, as I just shared earlier, he was having a personal encounter with God on a mountaintop. And talk about a mountaintop experience. He is face to face with Jesus in a bush talking to him as a friend. But what happens next? Verse 7, simply, I just want to read the first few words. It says, then the Lord told him. I want everyone to say told. Then the Lord told him. And then we're going to skip to quickly verse 10, 3 verse 10. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people of Israel out of Egypt. So what happens in this encounter with God? Out of the encounter came a word from God, came an instruction. It wasn't just an encounter we read about here, but it was actually a next step for Moses. And Moses then wrestles with God. He's like, who am I, God? If they won't know me or respect me, what's going to happen? He's terrified. He's, and he goes on, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? And then he goes on and says, I'm not good enough. I'm not good at speaking. And he ultimately is at a place like, God, please, would you send anyone else? I don't want to go. We see this wrestle going on on the inside of Moses. And that wrestle signified, was Moses going to obey God even though he was absolutely terrified? Was he going to obey God even though it did not make sense? Was he going to obey God even when he felt inadequate, insecure, and not good enough? But what was God looking for in Moses? Was he looking for his gift, his skill, his talent, his Bible college degree? What was he looking for? God was just simply looking for obedience. Every single believer has a calling from God and a destiny, but few will live it out, unfortunately. Why? Because it has a price tag that comes with it, it, which is obedience. Obedience, obedience, obedience. So what was the purpose of this encounter? It was a next step for Moses. And I want to share this, that we need to leave the mountaintop. We need to leave the encounters we have with God with a clear next step and act out of obedience and take action. And this is what is required of us. And I really see here tonight, I saw it prophetically, that you and I are going to leave this building today with such clarity about a next step God wants you and I to take. But you and I are going to have the decision, and it is a decision, will I obey or will I not? Because remember what I said at the start, that the pain of regret is a lot deeper than the cost of obedience. I just want to share quickly, um, and then we'll get into my two quick thoughts. But if we skip to Exodus 4.18, I had this revelation the other day that partial obedience is actually still disobedience, and not immediate obedience is still disobedience. Now, think about poor Moses and his wife and his children. Like, he, they're settled, they're living their life, his wife was with her father, they probably were quite happy there. And then Moses has this encounter with God, and let's read this, this blows my mind. In verse 18, so Moses went back home to Jethro, his father-in-law, 
Please let me return to my relatives in Egypt. Moses said, I don't even know if they're still alive. Go in peace, Jethro replied. What does that mean? That means Moses heard from God in the bush, walked back home, and immediately said, family, we're packing up our lives because I got a word from God, and we're going to obey him. It was immediate. It was the next day. It was we're going to obey God. And I want to encourage us here today that God is looking from you and I for from obedience when he highlights to us a next step. So I have two simple questions for us here tonight. Either one of them could be our next step, or perhaps both of them could be our next step. The first one is, what do I need to put down? The second one is, what do I need to pick up? And I'm going to explain this a little bit more as we go. Another, uh, let's start with, what do I need to put down? Another way of wording this is, what do I need to stop doing? Sometimes our next step is in to start doing something new, but actually stop doing something that God wants us to stop. And... I just want to paraphrase a story in the Bible, and I'd so encourage you to go read it. But when Jesus was walking the earth, we read in the book of um, John about this amazing encounter with a woman, a Samaritan woman. And the short version is this, that the Samaritan woman was at the well. She was about to get water, and Jesus comes by himself and starts a conversation with her. And he asks this woman, can you give me a drink? And this woman was so shocked because why is Jesus talking to me? And they begin a conversation and, and she says, you know, do you think you're better? And just has this conversation. But it actually ends up in this amazing place where Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water, talking of the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I will give them will never thirst again. And the woman said, can I have that water? And then Jesus goes on, it's amazing, to, to get this word of knowledge. And, and basically it unravels that this woman had had seven husbands, which at the time that would have resulted, the, the, the penalty for that was definitely stoning, that she actually deserved to die by the current law when, when she was alive by what she had done. But what that signifies is this woman had a, an ache in her heart. She desired to be loved she desired to be respected, to be cared for, to, to, to have peace, to have hope, to have joy. And this poor woman had a water jar, and she would go to man hoping this would be the one who would, who would fill me up, and, and he would just let her down. And then she'd go, oh, that wasn't right. I'm still thirsty. I still have this ache. So she'd go to man number two. Hopefully, this is the water that would fill that ache in my soul. And then she, he lets her down to man three, to man four, to man five. By this time, she is heartbroken. She doesn't trust anybody anymore. She is just on the inside dying, going, is this life even worth living? To man six. And when she's at man seven is when she has this conversation with Jesus. She has the water jar. And Jesus is saying, if you just knew, I know you're thirsty, but if you knew the gift I could give you, you would never thirst again. And I want us to quickly read John 4, 28 to 29. So the woman, after this conversation, after an encounter with Jesus Christ, so the woman left her jar and went. She left her jar, went away from town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? 
Now, what I just want to zoom in on in this story is she left the water jar behind. What does that represent? That water jar represented the thing that she went to, which was the actual very thing that was separating her from God. She would go, it was a sin. She was separated from God because she'd go to man after man after man. But when she encountered Jesus, she said, you know what? I have just found the thing that will cause me to never thirst again, so I leave the jar behind. I don't need that anymore. And I want to ask you and I here today, what is your water jar? What does that mean? It means what's the one thing that right now is coming between you and Jesus? What is that one thing you actually need to stop doing, leave behind on the altar tonight, and go into your life tomorrow saying, I don't need that anymore because I have Jesus? Now, in my life, that has looked like many things over the years. For me, it's looked like, you know, earlier on in my faith, it was quite obvious sins. I needed to stop looking at those things on the internet I knew I shouldn't be looking at. And then I'd go to church the next week. I'm like, God, what's next? I need to stop drinking myself till I got drunk. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll leave that jar behind. And, and just step by step, God has asked me to stop doing certain things as I've been transformed into the image of Jesus. But then later in my journey, because we always have a next step. Other things have been, you know, things that have just, um, and other things have been just stop sleeping in and missing time with God. I left a conference, I remember it, I got to stop putting sleep above prayer, and I was convicted. I, I, and other times I'd have to stop judging and being critical of other people. And you know, if I'm honest with you, this conference, I felt God so clearly say to me, it's a habit I just can't stand about myself, and I'm going to break it. It is that I go to my phone before I spend time with Jesus in the morning. And right now, that's my water jar because it is coming between me and Jesus. It's a distraction. And so you know what my desire is? I'm leaving Powerhouse Conference. I'm leaving church tonight saying, God, I'm going to stop doing that. My question for you, out of this burning bush experience, what is God asking you to stop doing? What is coming between you and Him? It might be an obvious sin. It might be a not so obvious sin. It might not be sin at all. It might just be a distraction. Something I've been convicted on and talking about in church a lot is, what's, where's our time going? So Netflix isn't a sin in and of itself, but when I'm spending two hours on Netflix a day and five minutes with God, does that, maybe that's our, I've got to stop putting my time there and put it to Jesus. Can I encourage us? There is nothing in life worth coming between us and Jesus. And secondly, as I invite the band up, that's what we might need to put down. That might be your, our next step here tonight. I need to stop doing something. But for others of us, it might be I need to pick up something. And another way I could ask that, so the last one was I put down, what do I need to stop? The next one is what do I need to start doing? What do I need to pick up again? Sometimes we don't need to actually put anything down, but God's asking us with a very clear next step to begin something. And I kind of see this in two categories. Number one, I want to be so honest with you that in my life, every single time since I've been a believer in Jesus, that my hunger for God has dropped. Every single time my relationship with God feels a bit stale, or I'm struggling to hear His voice, or I'm just starting to feel a bit apathetic, every single time in my life, I can draw it back to I've either stopped having a consistent prayer life, 
I've either stopped reading the Bible and hearing God through his word, or I've pulled back from church. And I want to encourage us, maybe your next step is, out of today, you feel God drawing you to just to start having that consistent time with him in prayer every single day. Maybe you were once doing that and you once had a, an amazing prayer life and you'd get up early and you were on fire and it wasn't a chore and you just couldn't wait to go to sleep because then you could wake up to spend time with Jesus. But maybe right now that fire's dwindled. And the next step might be Jesus calling you, just come back to that prayer time with me. Come back to the secret place. Maybe for others, it's to begin reading the Word again. Get that passion for the Word of God. Or, or maybe if you're honest, you've just, there's something just stopping you going all in for the house. And that might be your next step. We're going to wait on God in a moment and find out what it is for you. And just as I finish, that's one. Other times in my life, there have been quite practical next steps. For, you know, things like maybe out of an encounter with God, you're feeling stirred to start a connect group in our church. And that you're going, that's my next step here today. My, what I need to pick up is the, that mantle to lead a group and become a brilliant disciple maker. Maybe for others, you're feeling stirred to join the dream team, to do Bible college, to, to just go all in on that gift in your life of leadership and do apprenticing for that. I remember for Ebony and I, our next step, sometimes they're little. As I said, sometimes it's stop looking at your phone. And then other times in my journey, it's been move to Melbourne for me. <laughs> Get rid of your house and leave, you know, and pack up your life. And I can relate to Moses a bit. And what I would encourage you is no matter what the next step is here tonight, whatever you're feeling, God, as we're going to wait on him in a moment, I already feel his presence coming. You are going to have such clarity here tonight which I'm so excited for. But what is God looking for? When he asks you and I to put something down, to stop doing something, he's looking for us to be obedient. Whether we understand it or not, whether we agree with it or not, whether we find it challenging or easy, he's just looking for obedience like Moses did. Or if he's asking us to pick something up here tonight, to, to start something new, to go out of today. And from tomorrow on, this is what God's asking me to do. He's looking for someone who just says, all right, I'm not gonna dilly-dally around. I'm not gonna consider it. I'm not gonna see how I'm feeling tomorrow. But if I land on that scripture I began with, that we're gonna be a people who said, I will hurry without delay to obey his commands. And when God finds someone like that, he has found someone he can trust. And when God finds someone he can trust, friend, there is no limit to what God can do. David, a man after my own heart, God could trust him. Can we stand to our feet here tonight? I just feel in the next 10 minutes to do three things. The first one in a moment I want to ask us to have an altar moment, a burning bush moment, where Moses' response was, Hanene, here I am. It's almost like I want to ask you, and I feel God asking you tonight, are you willing to say those words to God? Here I am, God. Before I even know the next step you're going to ask me to take, you are the Lord of my life, and I already say yes. And if that's you in a moment, if you're feeling stirred to be a person, it might be for the first time you've ever said that, it actually might be for the thousandth. But if you're saying here tonight, 
and you're feeling a stirring, you're going, Lord, whatever your step is for me, whatever you ask me to do, I'm already a yes because you are my Lord. I am your son or daughter. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to come down the front. We're going to worship together as we have a moment of surrender to God. Secondly, I'm going to give us some space for those up the front and in the, in the auditorium. We're going to wait on the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, the Word of God's going to come to you. See, Moses didn't need to make up the next step. It was actually incredibly clear from heaven to Moses. We're going to hear. And then lastly, I'm going to give us a chance to commit, to be a, make that decision. Hey, I am going to obey. I, and we, we're going to pray together for the empowering of the Holy Spirit to help us. So right now, the band is about, just going to begin leading us in this song. But if you are here tonight... And you were saying, here I am, Lord. Whatever you say, I will say yes. You are my Lord. If that's you, just right now, come and fill the altar. Whoever you are. If I was in the auditorium, I would be coming down the front. If that's you saying, Lord, Lord, here I am. Lord, whatever you ask, all the days of my life, I will say yes. I will obey you. For better and for worse, I will follow Jesus. Whatever God you ask me to do, I have said yes, because you are my Lord. If that's you, just come. Come, come. If there's no room, just go to the rose. Let's sing this together. Amen. Amen. We love the Holy Spirit. Can you give me a wave? Who felt they they had a clear next step out of today? Whether it's a put down or a pick up, that's wonderful. Can I just encourage us as I finish here, write it down. Tomorrow, this this won't begin in a week because a week will turn into a month. We've all been there. We've done that diet plan. I'll never eat KFC again. And then you become friends with the wrong people. (laughs) Or you marry the wrong person. (laughs) Talking not about myself. But, oh, jeez. So naughty tonight. Um, Yeah, I'm in for a talk on the way home. All right. But let's be people who just tomorrow, we're going to action it. Uh, Can we take our seats? Let's give the Lord a hand. So good. So good.